from your office, would there be anyone from your office who would be taking part in the in the protests? Yeah, pretty much everyone I know. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. They go out at lunch and, you know, after work, they go out and then, yeah, literally take part in right. it. And my friends, they've literally been tear-gassed by the police because they've been at front lines. Hey, what's up? It's your boy Ryan back with Mature and Cheddar episode 15, giving you those cross-Atlantic viewpoints from the UK and US about this weird and wonderful world that we live in. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and follow us on Instagram at Mature and Cheddar. Today, Lewis and I are joined by one of our good friends from our undergraduate days at the University of Bristol, Gavin, who's been working in Hong Kong the last four years. We had the special opportunity to catch up with him and find out more about the Hong Kong protests. I guess my, from my point of view... Obviously, having not seen you in ages, I can't believe it's been a year already. But in that year, where you live, a lot has changed. Like, my girlfriend was there uh, working, as you remember, uh, for three, uh, I think three months, I think. Um, And when she was there, and when I was there for, I was there for five five days, it was, in in verse quotes, fine, normal. you know, busy, super busy. I mean, I was shocked at how busy it gets during rush hour. I thought London was busy. I mean, that was a different level in the octopus, um, what do you call it, the, the octopus network, the tubes. Octopus hard, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's um, crazy. Hong Kong is like one of the most dense uh, populations, uh, most dense population cities in the world, I think. Tokyo is also one of them. Hong Kong is re- Hong Kong is up there. Really, really dense city, so many people moving in and out. As well. Yeah, as you said, especially during the rush hour, it's crazy. And uh, if there's any like disruptions on the on the public transport, and then yeah, everything's just yeah at a standstill because there's just so many people trying to mm. trying to move around. Yeah, and that, that, that's it. So many people trying to move on, but it, they make it work, don't they? I mean, I was there just after a typhoon had hit, and man, the city had already been cleaned up. Like, it was already back working within a, a day or two after the typhoon had hit. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, it was a pretty serious typhoon, and obviously people got hurt and stuff, but I was really impressed and impressed with how quickly they cleaned it up essentially my girlfriend was as well um and you know Hong Kong people work super hard but what I want to get in my head is like how did it go from that because I this is October and then what you know taught me through the kind of timeline uh since I left uh to the situation where I'm reading on BBC News Guardian you know, all the news channels in Britain, and they've all got an opinion and trying to report uh, on events there. But what I see on TV is uh, pro- uh, protesters clashing with the police and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's what, that's what I see. Tell me what's gone off. Uh, how this all, how this, um, how the situation in Hong Kong all first started is uh, because uh, the leader of Hong Kong, uh, Carrie Lam, 
actually uh, try to introduce this extradition bill. So what, what this bill uh, allows is that um, they can extradite people to mainland China. So Hong Kong people, they, they were really uh, scared because like they can just uh, extradite people for, I don't know, for, for whatever reason to mainland China. And, and then, um, you know, you'd get done in China for whatever it is. But what, why is this a problem? It's because in China, you, you probably wouldn't get a fair trial mainland China, they, they just, you know, have their own laws. Once uh, the leader of Hong Kong tried to introduce this bill, people started to, well, people immediately uh, just protested to try to yeah. stop this bill. The leader of Hong Kong decided that China could basically, extra, you could extradite people back to China. But what was the, her reason for passing this bill? Because surely her position is to protect the people of Hong Kong. This is kind of almost showing a sign of weakness by giving up to the more powerful, like, kind of Chinese government? I think how this all started was because uh, the, uh, there was a Hong Kong, uh, there was a Hong Kong guy who went to holiday to Taiwan with his girlfriend. And then, um, uh, and then the guy, uh, and then the girl was like murdered or something, and so, uh, but but then the guy, the guy came back to Hong Kong, and then um, I, I don't know the exact details, but the guy like got free because he wasn't in Taiwan anymore, so it was like not part of their uh, jurisdiction, and so, uh, and so yeah, that's why the leader thought, um, you know. If you could have the power to extradite someone to a foreign country and then yeah to prevent something like this happening again because you know if the guy just come back to hong kong and then he can get away with murder or something like that so i think that's how it all started but then people thought okay if you can do that but then you know even though um i guess for that particular case it makes sense but then you know, it's mainland China, because it's actually not uncommon. Uh, because what uh, previously happened was like some uh, some artists or some journalists, they wrote something bad about China, and then suddenly they disappear from Hong Kong. I think people like, um, like captured him, and then they take uh, took him back to Hong Kong. Uh, no, took him back to mainland China, and then he was like held there for, I don't know, for whatever reason. And then he was like, uh, yeah, and then, yeah, he, he was like captured by China because he, he wrote something bad or uh, the, the artist drew something bad about China. And, you know, China doesn't like anything, um, doesn't like people saying anything bad about China. So, you know, they, they would just use their power to do, do these kinds of things. So that this is why Hong Kong people really fear, uh, yeah. This is why really, uh, Hong Kong people are really uh, against this bill. So what's what's her name again? Carrie Lam. Carrie Lam, yes. Yeah, and could you just give me a, a brief timeline of like her... So when was she voted in? When did she like pass this bill or try to pass this bill? And like what's happening with her now? Is she still in power? Uh, so Carrie Lam, uh, she came into power in 2017 and... Um, uh, yeah, she tried to introduce this um, extradition bill in June uh, of this year, so June 2019. 
And um, what's happened since then is that um, uh, people have been uh, uh, protesting against this bill, but um, she never, she, yeah, she did just didn't really take any action, and didn't. So that's that's why Hong Kong people did feel like she's not um, really listening to the Hong Kong people, and she's more actually uh, answering to Beijing because she she just didn't really do anything. Yeah, so so there's been ongoing process. So it's been going on for months and months, and nothing has happened. And you know, it, at the time the situation was already really bad. People thought, oh, this is like the worst um, process uh, uh, in Hong Kong, but nothing has happened. But the question is, like, why why hasn't she done anything? Why hasn't she uh, withdrawn this bill? Is it because uh, Beijing is, um, you know? Is it because Beijing is uh, is the one who's controlling her and not allowing her to uh, withdraw this bill? Like so, so these these were the questions that people were asking at the time. So, you know, so who's really in control? Is 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 Carrie Lam really the leader of Hong Kong, or is she really, you know, just a puppet of China, like answering to China? So she can't, you know, she doesn't have the autonomy. I mean, she doesn't have the power. Uh, to withdraw the bill because she has to get Beijing's permission, and obviously Beijing doesn't. Beijing wants this uh, extradition bill to go through because anyone who says anything bad about China can be uh, extradited to China and then taken care of. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know. So, so these protests has been going on for months and months and months. So since June. So how many months is that now? So five or six months now. And um, yeah, people are asking her to. Uh, to resign, but she wouldn't resign. And um, you know, again, why, 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 why isn't she resigning? Because the situation is so bad right now. Is it because China is not letting her resign? You know, she has to clean up this mess because um, you know China is asking her to clean up, clean up, clean up this mess before you know she can resign. So again, like, who, who's really in in control of Hong Kong? Mm. Um, so how how bad are the the protests? If you think about like kind of day to day life, um, I know we were talking about it a bit earlier, but for for the listeners, how is it impacting everyone's life in Hong Kong? So there's it's a mix. So there's a mix of uh, at first there's been a lot of uh, peaceful protests. So people just uh, uh, protesting on the tri- on the streets, and these were. Uh, so I thought uh, if you organise protests, you have to get um, like approval. So these were like approved by the police. You're allowed to, uh, you know, take to take to the streets and protest. And uh, these were going on for the first few months. Uh, but you know, again, the leader of Hong Kong is just like not not really listening and not taking any action and not you know responding to the protests. Um, so I think some people have then just you know turn to violent protest and like starting to you know uh you know block block roads you know uh, cause cause like trouble in hong kong and um you know this is how the clashes with police have uh, have started because uh you know people are just you know taking matters and they kind of into their own hands and turning turning into uh like turning to violence and um, uh, and then the, the Hong Kong police, they're, they're like using questionable tactics against the protesters. Like, 
they're using a lot of tear gas and excessive force, like just attacking the protesters. Like you would think that the police would be there to protect the Hong Kong people again. Like again, you would think the leader of Hong Kong would be there to listen to the Hong Kong people, and the police would be there to protect the Hong Kong people. But you know, from the video videos that you can see online, it's like the police are, you know, they just look like they're just attacking. Hong Kong people, you know, I saw videos of uh, the police just attacking people who are walking by, like the uh, videos, you know, old people, uh, people, elderly, young, uh, pregnant women, and even like some foreign people, they're, they're just walking by and then the police just attack them and spray them with like pepper spray. It's just, you know, oh, the police really? Yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like pregnant women, they're just like taking them down and then like spraying them with pepper spray elderly people they're literally just standing there they're not causing any trouble they're not they're not attacking the police officers and they they just spray them in the face like literally right in front of you spray spray you in the face with pepper spray like in the eyes has any, it's just has anyone died yet there was a death uh last month so because oh. the police were uh, firing tear gas to try to clear clear out the protest uh, protesters and then i think uh one one guy he like fell from the building and uh like trying to get away and he died and yeah it's just uh caused even more chaos and so i, I was just reading so hong kong they formally scrapped the extradition bill at the end of october yes and so how come people are still protesting yeah, so the withdrawal bill was only one part of the process. So it's not like, okay, we're not going to extradite people to mainland China and now everything's okay and everything's back to normal. Right? Because, the, you know, as I said, um, the fear of China is still there. So, you know, Hong Kong is like, the uh, people of Hong Kong, they have like um, five demands. So the first one is to like uh, withdraw the extradition bill. The second is like asking the leader of Hong Kong to resign. Another one is to like, uh, you know, they want uh, an independent inquiry into the actions of the police because, you know, the actions of the police uh, is, you know, it's been questionable with like using excessive force and attacking innocent people. They're not um, really, you know, protecting Hong Kong civilians. So we want uh, Hong Kong people want uh, independent inquiry into the uh, actions of police, which, you know, the police have un, uh, continuously uh, denied that they've used like excessive force, and um, uh, uh, and also uh, the Hong Kong government have been like backing the police, like saying that uh, you know that they're using like no nothing that they've done is like inappropriate, which you know most pe Hong Kong people would disagree with. Why, why does it make people from Hong Kong so mad when people say this is just a riot, not a protest? Okay, so why, why Hong Kong people don't want to be called uh, rioters is because they're really protesting for... It, it, they really are just protesting for their own right and for their own freedom. And they just want, um, you know, uh, the Hong Kong government to listen to their voices. That, that, you know, you know that they are protesting peacefully at first but you know they're just not listening and this is why um 
yeah, it has turned really violent because nothing is working. So they're protesting peacefully and they're not listening. So yeah, and now, um, yeah, they're clashing with the police daily and being categorized as uh, rioters, whereas uh, actually police themselves are actually um, yeah, using excessive force and using like police brutality, like abuse of their powers in some ways. See, but nothing's really happening, and the protesters are getting more and more agitated. Now, a very small group of those protesters are turning to violence, I think, and it's not. Yes. It's not a lot. It's not a large group. Um, turned to violence. How you know what would, in your position, from where you sit, how would that be resolved? How would n- not using violence without violence? How would this get resolved? Or would one side have to back down eventually? Essentially, would um, you know what? How would yeah, you see it being resolved in the best possible? Yeah, this is exactly why these protests has been going on for so many months, so five or six months now. Because um, neither side is backing down, you know. The people of Hong Kong are fighting for their freedom. And, um, you know, the Hong Kong government isn't taking any action because they don't want to. Because if they back down to the protesters, then... um, yeah, the Hong Kong government would be, you know, they'll have a bad image. Uh, they have a a bad image uh, to Beijing because the government back, uh, you know, the government um, backing down to the Hong Kong people, and then it looks like they have no power, and China doesn't want that, right? So mm. and um, so every day. Hong Kong people protest on the streets and then they fight with the police and then the police use, uh, you know, they use a lot, using their power to uh, control the protests. And then the Hong Kong protesters, you know, what they're showing, shown in the media as rioters and then it makes Hong Kong people even more angry and then the cycle just repeats. And so... This is why I don't think um, this situation is going to get any better anytime soon. So um, what do you see as a solution? Because it seems like both neither side is going to back down. So yeah. what, like where just, are you going to be in one year from now? Yeah, it just all comes down to the question of, so who's really in power? Is Hong Kong government in power or is it China? So if Hong Kong government is in power, then why aren't they listening to the Hong Kong people? You know you're the Hong Kong government, you're supposed to be acting in the best interest of the Hong Kong population, but you're not listening to them. So does this mean that, you know, China's in power, so you're answering to China. So you're acting in the best interest of China. So, you know, so either either China do something about it or the Hong Kong government listen to the Hong Kong people. But either one one looks like it would have a knock-on effect, right? So... If Hong Kong listen, if Hong Kong government listens to Hong Kong people, then like as you were saying, surely China would retaliate and punish, yeah. punish the Hong Kong government or Hong Kong itself probably, yeah. and then vice versa. If Hong Kong 
government didn't support its people, eventually just to deal with the people, maybe military action, you know, military intervention to control the uh, the protesters and really get them to stand down. Um, I'm not sure. It, it didn't look like it as a like you said. It's not going to end for a while if it remains as it is in a little bit of a stalemate. But it doesn't look like it's going to have a happy ending either, from where I'm sat. Yeah, it just doesn't look good for Hong Kong right now, and especially Hong Kong. Mm. Um, you know, has long has it had its status as uh, Asia's you know main financial hub. It's actually actually really under threat right now because you know, mm-hmm. businesses want to pull out of Hong Kong and Hong Kong, you know, it kind of relies on its financial services um, sector uh, to thrive and you know, uh, Hong Kong, you know GDP uh, has uh, I think in the last quarter has uh, turned negative and it's quite likely to go into a recession um, if, if it continues because you know, businesses is, is, is not doing good. Uh, tourism has uh, worsened. And uh, just on a daily basis, businesses trying to operate is quite difficult because um, uh, uh, the, the transport, so the main Hong Kong, uh, so you've been to Hong Kong, you know, uh, yep. everyone relies on the MTR and uh, bu- uh, the bus. Excellent. Uh, it's an excellent system. Yeah. Yep. And it's actually... Uh, you know, it's been uh, struggling to operate, uh, 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 you know, normally because there's just been so many disruptions, you know, uh, MTR stations are being uh, closed, uh, several train lines have been like, uh, so, uh, so services on train lines has been uh, like suspended due to the process, you know, people can't, you know, get in and out to work, um, you know, on weekends, everyone has to stay at home because, uh, you know, just it's not safe to go out, and you know that there's no train or bus service, and so, so even uh, even if it's not tourism, it's just like normal daily um, businesses have been like really badly affected. You know, the media they make it out as if it's only like uh, young people, so you're like uni students and people who just came out of uni. But actually, like a lot, a lot of like. Um, Adult, like yeah, adults actually take part. So professional people like accountants and you know people who have like you know, decent jobs, like accountants, bankers, like they they also take uh, you know protest in the streets, take take to take to the streets at lunch, you know, mm. supporting all these young. So yeah, supporting all the young. That was going to be my question, actually, one of my questions. Like, what percentage would you say? So if you were, we're not going to talk about the podcast where, where you work, just just in case, but, like, from your office, would there be anyone from your office who would be taking part in the in the protests? Yeah, pretty much everyone I know. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah, they go out at lunch and, you know, after work, they go out and then... Yeah, literally take part in right. it. And my friends, they've literally been tear gassed um, by the police because they've been at the front lines. Yeah, wow. So people actually really, they are really, really serious about it. It's, it's not, you know, it's not a joke. It's not, it's not for fun. They literally are fight, fighting for what they believe in. 
that, that's it and that, that that's the only way I guess I'm starting to see that you know when you say stuff like that you know friends you know people yeah. it makes it a bit more real um yeah. starting to see how serious it is because put myself in my own well just where I sit like I said just a minute ago there's people in parliament that we elect who do a lot of fighting with words on our behalf yeah uh, and that's what a br- what a brilliant privileged system we're we're fortunate to live in in Britain and it seems like um, that system you know what little bit of that system you had in Hong Kong is is basically failing right now you know where the government should be listening to its people it's not and there's no debate there's no you know discussion it's literally totalitarian rule so yeah yeah I think you some pretty well there for with that last point I think as I said like Hong Kong has this one country and two systems um, uh, uh, that, that, that's how Hong Kong works it's like the one country of China and two systems is so separate from China it has its own system but now now the whole system is like under question because you know is it really one country two systems or is it one country in one system and if that if that comes if, if that's under threat then the whole you know attractiveness of Hong Kong to foreign businesses is also under threat thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Mature and Cheddar on the Hong Kong protests don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify iTunes or YouTube See you guys next week.